Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? Yes, wherever you are, wherever that may be. <laughs> so you are still in Kansas City, is that right? Yeah, in fact, not just for football. So okay. uh, uh, today I'm attending a conference called Mid by Midwest. It's kind of yep. the Midwest version of South by Southwest. So maybe okay. a little bit more stoic and uptight, but <laughs> still a fun collection, hopefully fun collection of um, entrepreneurs and founders and uh, venture capital firms and other leaders and mostly the tech space. So okay. we'll see. Maybe I'll give you a review of the first day tomorrow, Scott, during our uh webinar live stream that sounds great with with uh with shannon from rate links yeah. yeah that's right oh man yeah don't miss that by the way it's gonna be good stuff yeah but i'll i'll give you a little bit of a review there that'll be interesting to shannon no it won't be at all but we'll make him sit through it <laughs> well you know uh, as we were sharing pre-show uh beyond all of that it looks like you and I are te uh, teed up to have a midterm discussion in our blue and red. <laughs> so, who won? Who didn't? And, and Man, I'm not sure who did 11. win. Right? I don't. I don't know which which color I want to be wearing right now. You know, I, me neither. And uh, I'm going to keep on. Well, let's talk about supply chain instead of politics today. How about that? Does that sound like a plan? I think there's one thing we should all be able to agree on, and that is, gridlock is not the problem. Gridlock mm. is our only hope. So, <laughs> let's go with that right so moving right along here today today folks it's, it's the supply chain buzz powered by our good friends at six river systems doing some awesome things from automation and, and making making industry happen uh better and faster and and yeah better better for your people as well um, and chuck oh I mean, and chuck right um you know what? Chuck should have made an appearance today. You know, we, we could you have, know what? We need a little video of Chuck. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if they're gonna sponsor this thing, maybe like a little, even a still shot <laughs> or a video of Chuck doing his thing. Let's well, you get know, on that. Well, Greg, with with lots of reliability, folks can learn more about Six River Systems at sixriver.com. and I'm sure you'll have plenty of videos there about Chuck in action. So, uh, we're gonna say hello to a few folks in just a minute. Uh, again, today is the supply chain buzz coming at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time where we walk through some of the leading stories across global business and we give you our take, whether you like it or not, sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, He's talking uh, about my take, folks. <laughs> Uh, Greg, on the money. Man, you are on the money today. Well, hey, folks, I want to share a couple of quick announcements, and then uh, we're going to say hello. I see Jonathan and Shelly and Noor and many others. Um, all right, so first up, folks, y'all may know uh, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index for third quarter 2022 came out a few weeks back. Tons and tons of insights on the domestic freight market, right? Really looking at uh, shipping volume and spend. And you know what? Greg, some of the best news out there is it's free. 
It's free to mm-hmm. sign up and get it emailed to you each quarter. You go to freight.usbank.com and uh, you dive in and you'll you'll be smarter from having um, read and reviewed this uh, quarterly report. Greg, your favorite part about the freight payment index. And see what real practitioners who are safe, who are facing the same issues that you are are taking from this and using to involve or to improve their businesses. And I think the other thing you got to think about is in these inflationary times, anything that's free, go and get it just in case <laughs> you can sell it on eBay or something. Uh, <laughs> very true. That's a, that's a great strategy. Right? Uh, great. Get the free stuff. Well, it, hey. it just makes you feel better to get some free stuff after you've been to the grocery store. My word. Man, you're not lying. Uh, again, I can't get over butter. Butter's up 27% over last year. And you put butter on everything in your Thanksgiving meal, you know? Eggs are, the are my, in my uh, view right now. Eggs. Yep. I cannot believe how much it costs. Well, we're going to do, so next Monday, uh, you know, the Monday before Thanksgiving, we're going to do a uh, a turkey day analysis of what this meal looks like uh, for 2022 in terms of cost. Some folks will be financing uh, Thanksgiving me- uh, dinner. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so let's move all move right along. I want to share. Uh, with that said, right. So we've been talking about this LinkedIn newsletter for um, well, for about three months now. Uh, it drops every Saturday morning. It's really meant to be an aside other than all the stuff we already put out there from a supply chain, global supply chain perspective. Here, we talked about one of uh, Greg and I's, our favorite things, Oreos. And really, the, this kind of a little bit of the story behind it, as well as some of the supply chain leadership behind it. Now, two yeah. quick comments, Greg. Um, yeah. So first off, many folks may not know that Oreo was really launched as the um, a, a, a um, knockoff. A, yeah, thank you. A knockoff brand. It was, it was at the, the Hydrox. Yeah. The Hydrox dominated the market at the time. Man, did people have bad taste in the 1800s. <laughs> Oreos well, way better than Hydrox. So the Oreo Oreo cookies were launched, I think, 1912. And it took them until about the 50s to really you know catch up revenue-wise. And then, uh, as you may know, Hydrox was eventually uh, discontinued because Oreo dominates. It's becoming a legend. But the other thing, Greg, is Sandra McQuillan, the chief supply chain officer at Mondelez International, which is uh, who holds Oreo uh, uh, product and and brand uh, here for the last mm-hmm. probably 10 years or so. She is retiring, Greg. And I got to tell you, one of a kind. She's a Hall of Famer in our book, right? Yeah, the supply chain world is going to miss her, but it's hard earned. Um, and it's, you know, it's time for her to relax a little bit. So, <clears throat> we won't stop calling her, will we, Scott? But <laughs> but we'll pr- we'll probably stop having her on the show. Uh, they've named her replacement. Forgive me. I read the article, but I cannot remember his name. I do know that he was um, way up in her organization. So, and of course, you know what a great leader and teacher of humans she was. So, I feel like the company's in good hands. They've done a fantastic job in a really volatile time. They had their challenges, like anybody else, but. They did a fantastic job in a really volatile time. I think it took a lot of out of a lot of people and Sandra in particular. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, this company is strong. They'll survive. And, yes. uh, you know, Sandra's going to get some rest, which is good. 
Absolutely. And, and speaking of her being a, a wonderful teacher, she's had several master classes here at Supply Chain Now. This quote came from one of her last ones. You can be as technically brilliant as you can be, but if you can't make it work with other people, then what's the point? So well said there. There's so many of those. Other, she had a come on down statement, and I think the very first show she did on Supply Chain Now, right? So uh, if you want to you want to get involved in you know everything that's going on in supply chain that was what 2016 or 17 something like that come on uh, down <laughs> yeah, i love that spirit a dynamo a dynamo yeah. a titan yeah. industry and we're going to keep our finger on the pulse of what will be next but as greg suggested hopefully she can unplug and take a deep breath because of all the mountains she's been moving for quite some time okay finally folks uh join in we invite you to join in our efforts uh, leveraging logistics for ukraine uh, as we've talked about here, and we try to keep a, uh, a finger on the pulse of, of true outcomes, over 500,000 pounds of targeted humanitarian aid has already made it across to Ukraine and Poland and that area for families in need that really need it. We, um, What drives those efforts is a monthly pan- planning session. The next one is tomorrow, November 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're dropping a link in the chat. We'd love for you all to just come. Even if you can't, you're not in a position to give, come and hang out. Uh, collect some market intel of what's really going on there. And if you can, you are in position to donate anything. I'm sure Enrique and the Vector Global Logistics team will put it to work. Greg, your quick comment here about this initiative. Well, i got to tell you, if we since we did touch on the midterms, midterms, I think if there was anything that I took away is that the American people are, are willing to stand by Ukraine. There was a lot of talk about not continuing the effort to stand by Ukraine, I think it's as important for us to, um, it's as important for us to send Russia a message. Um, You know, one of the most corrupt and dangerous governments on the planet as Mm -hmm. it is to stand by Ukraine. Because if if we don't stand by Ukraine, we don't know who's next, but there will be a next. Mm. So I, I think it's important. Right. And they've had some good news there. Right. They've the Russians have pulled out of, or pulled back from Kherson. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm not saying that right. But uh, so there's progress being made for the efforts that we're, you know, we're providing. And I think it's huge. And this is a, just a small way of of doing it. Right. And there are a lot of humans who are giving up time from there uh, in in Ukraine and outside of Ukraine who are giving up time from their business to and their lives to um, get all these materials to people in need. So that's totally right. worthwhile. Definitely. Uh, so again, uh, that's tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time. The link to join is in the chat and there's no requirement. You can come, leave your video off, leave your mic off and just listen and absorb the information. It's perfectly fine. But we invite you to join our efforts. Um, okay. On a much lighter note, folks, you're in, you're in for a treat today. Because not only are we going to talk about Russia, we're going to talk about China, two of Greg's favorite topics. And it always provides must-see TV. So y'all get ready. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's say hello on that note, uh, Greg, to a few friends here that are tuned in. Hey, Jonathan, great to have you back. Go Tigers. As LSU Tigers are w- SEC West champs. How about that, Greg? Wow. Is that official? I guess it is, right? Man, that's pretty impressive. Agreed. All right, so it's looking like it's going to be LSU and Georgia in the Man. dome. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. I'm going to have to separate from you on that day. 
<laughs> so congrats, Jonathan. Looking forward to a great game there. Hey, Shelly, great to see you back. Love the headshot. I think we shared that with you last time. Uh, I bet it's gorgeous and cold in Colorado about right uh, Colorado right right about now. What you think, Greg? Yeah, I mean they were talking about uh, starting skiing about now in Park City, and depending on where she is, she's on the proper. I don't want to say the right side, the proper side of the mountain. Yep. It may maybe time to bust out the uh, yeah the park ski gear. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, you know the park is out because it was probably seventy. Uh, I just imagine. In Denver, it was probably like Kansas City. It was 70 last weekend, and it was 18 really? this weekend. Well, uh, stay warm, Shelly. Noor, via LinkedIn, great to see you. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Great to have you here today. Hey, Gino from North Alabama is with us here today via LinkedIn. Great to see old GP. Uh, I, you know what? I meant to grab the pictures of him uh, rocking. You know, he's a drummer, musician. I meant to grab one for today. So, Gino, I, we'll do that next uh, next Wednesday. Glormar from gorgeous and sunny L.A. A bit cold morning, but it's warming up quickly, she says. Cold in L.A. is <laughs> <laughs> laughable. I don't know. I, they, occasionally, they'll get a cold blast. They've gotten some of that in Arizona, too. So Right. Um, as we mentioned, uh, folks, y'all go check out Six River Systems doing some great things across industry, really cool things, especially from automation and and really empowering your people and making their jobs easier. So y'all check that out. Um, also, the team, as I mentioned, dropped the, the link for a free, as Greg suggested, a, a free freight payment index comes out every quarter. So y'all don't miss that. Um, all right, moving right along. Let's see here. Uh, David Glover from Minnesota via LinkedIn. David oh says... Snowy morning, but it is cold, really cold up there. It's Greg. the beginning of the end. <laughs> what a great it is cold up there. What a great game. Was that Minnesota and Buffalo? Ooh. And didn't Minnesota yes. pull it out? Thank you to all of you Vikings fans for putting the Chiefs in the driver's seat for home field advantage through the playoffs. Yeah, wow. and a great game. Just unbelievable. Justin Jefferson, that wide receiver of theirs is unbelievable. Man. Uh, Kim Winter, the one and only Kim Winter is here with us today. Greetings, gents, from the DP World Global Freight Summit in Dubai. Man, I bet he's ha- I bet he is having conversations with movers and shakers, Greg. Well, I, I don't know how many. He goes to so many events. I don't know how he does it. He's got to be a bazillion miler. <laughs> I bet so. Uh, I, I bet he's got like 17 diamonds on that uh, Delta uh, yeah. uh, card of his. Um T-squared, good Monday for folks, he says. Hope the cold slap ain't jolting, y'all. Bring on the nourishment. It is coming. It is coming. It's coming. And uh, let's see here. Shelly is talking about it's really cold. She's west of Denver. Ski areas are really close by. And, oh, boy. yeah, she's going to be breaking out the parka and the whole ski bib, oh, ski bib man. soon. How about that? What a that? great time of year. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, okay. So I know we couldn't get everybody, but welcome in. Hey, y'all keep the comments coming throughout the hour. We've got some really neat stories we're going to be walking through, and uh, we'd love to hear your uh, your takes as well. All right, so Greg, are you ready to get down to to uh, to work here today? I suppose so. Yeah, let's get to work. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Um, so first up, we're talking about a familiar big brand name, Stanley Black & Decker. So according yeah. to our friends over at Supply Chain Dive, the company is cutting some 50,000 SKUs as it transforms its supply chain. 
Um, now, skew rationalization is nothing new, right? We, we've seen it for years, right? I mean, it's, it's been used for decades, uh, but we've seen a lot of it in the last few years. Now, one of the outcomes from the plan is savings in, we're talking $500 million, Greg. Holy cow. Now, That's so half be- a billion dollars. That's a bazillion percent more than than um, the, the founder of FTX is worth today. <laughs> well, maybe they could take some of those. <laughs> this is going to be me. Maybe they <laughs> take some of those savings and get a new sign there, a new exciting, you know, light bulb, neon fueled sign. We'll see. But um, be, beyond the skew rationalization and that elimination plan, Stanley Black and Decker is also optimizing its physical infrastructure and distribution network with changes there coming in 2023. So, Greg, I would love to hear your take on Stanley Black and Decker's uh, big plan here. I am the stunning part for me is that Black and Decker has 50,000 SKUs. That's not <laughs> parts or components. That's 50,000 finished good products. What the wow. heck could that be? I mean, okay, Stanley, right? So you know that, you know, there's um, all kinds of measuring equipment and other tools and that sort of thing. And of course, Black and Decker power tools, but 50,000 different items. That is stunning. And half a billion dollars worth of savings. My question is, and we may have a Black and Decker exec watching us today. I know we have had in the last couple of weeks is where, where did that come from? And you know what? Maybe we ought to get them on the air. Because this is a really, I think this is a really interesting story. And it's, you know, practitioner side stuff that I think people could really get some value from. You know, we've talked to Sandra, uh, right, at Mondelez about their dramatic skew reductions and some other um, brands. I think it'd be interesting to talk to somebody at Black & Decker. But Agreed. um, I just wish, I wish I knew how to use more than seven of all those skews there. Great. You can use seven. (laughs) <laughs> I've come a long way in the last year or two. A screwdriver, hammer. <laughs> we were talking pre-show, just to Tape clear everybody in. Amanda, between the two of us, uh, Amanda is much better at uh, working with Black, Stanley Black & Decker tools and hanging stuff and building stuff than I am. It just I, it, it didn't um, it didn't follow me from my dad's genes into, because my dad's great at that kind of stuff too. But I, have a, I, I can do a nail and a hammer. I can use a ruler, but Greg, beyond that, man, it can a be lot challenging. Of, so Scott's specific fear is com- is constructing his new stand-up sit-down desk. <laughs> but a lot of those, I mean, <laughs> let me allay your fear a little bit. Usually they provide you with the tools that you need, and it's almost always 90% an Allen wrench, which is the easiest tool in the world to use. So uh, fear not, good friend. Not. Thank you, you will make it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I do think this is a really amazing um, revelation. You know, the other question I have is why now 50,000 SKUs? And right. I wonder what that leaves them with. How many SKUs is that? And, you know, what has changed so much in such a short time? Or did they just sort of reach a, bre- a breaking point like so many companies have? Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I've always been, not always, since I've no longer been a merchandiser. <laughs> or product manager in retail, right. I've always been an advocate of, of SKU rationalization. There are just way too many SKUs, and the process of adding them is well more robust than the process of removing them. Mm. Um, 
So I, first of all, applaud them for doing this. And at the same time, I want to know what are these items and what took you so long? That's right. Um, you know, and, and to your earlier point, uh, we have had uh, a member of their executive team with us on some previous live streams, uh, making some great uh, contributions. And I'll tell you, um, Stanley Black & Decker has got quite a track record of, uh, of, of performance and, con- mm-hmm. and continuous improvement. Uh, one of our I was on a webinar, probably Greg, I bet it was eight years ago, and we were hosting one of their um, operational executives, and they were talking about their their path to the Shingo Prize, which, of course, which is a prestigious um, OPEX and continuous improvement type of uh, recognition and, and, and <laughs> award. Um, so we'll see how this shakes out and puts them in better shape to uh, build on that track record. So we'll see. Um, all right. So, Greg, I want to share a couple of quick comments here. Glormar. 42 degrees in L.A. this morning. How about that? That is cold for L.A., really that's cold. cold. That's, that's yeah. cold for uh, any morning of mine at 42. That's a cold you, morning. In L.A., you might have to put on a sweatshirt. <laughs> right. Uh, Natalie tuned back in from Charlotte. We always enjoy your contributions as well. Great to see you here via LinkedIn. Uh, Jonathan, greetings from Montreal. I'm a visitor from Columbia, uh, but I'm seeking new opportunities in the supply chain space. So, Jonathan, hey, welcome here today. Share, share, share your contributions, and we'll see. Uh, you know, it's good to get cross pollinated in this group here. Uh, yeah, great group here. Now, Amanda says it's true. She didn't marry Scott for his handyman skills. Amanda, oh man, she just she's just keeping it real this morning, huh? But but I mean, <laughs> look at the skills that you present every single day. That's probably what it was. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Jonathan says there's so many skews associated with part record. Uh, part record issues. Definitely agree, uh, Greg. Part record. What's that mean? You know, uh, Jonathan. Clarify for us dummies, Jonathan. <laughs> Expand a little bit more on that. Yeah. Uh, Natalie says, it's a big number going back to the 50,000. The hardware industry is heavy on SKUs. Natalie says she's been with three companies that have ranged from 3,500 to 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, again, if you, uh, I mean, there are so many sections of a, hardware store i worked with ace hardware and true value and um gosh, several that don't even exist anymore big box stores hundreds and hundreds of thousands of SKUs in a store it's hard to believe that one vendor still to me it's hard to believe that one vendor could cut fifty thousand SKUs and have anything left so yeah i, I agree because there are some i mean you know it could be nuts and bolts or washers all of that stuff adds up real real quick Agreed. Agreed. Well, we'll see, and, and you know, we'll see if we can't get more, uh, more context behind what they're doing over there mm-hmm. in the weeks ahead. Okay, Greg. Moving right along for the sake of time, I'm going to pull up this uh, story here. This should not, just shouldn't surprise anybody really. But I, I liked some of the reporting and some of the storytelling within it. So, as our friends over at Transport Topics reports on reshoring, nearshoring trends continue to pick up the pace. Now. A variety of factors, as we all know, have fueled this movement, right, from costs to the pandemic to supply chain challenges. I mean, really, you name it. Um, now, Rosemary Coates was quoted in this um, in this article quite a bit. She's the, exe- a, the executive director of the Reshoring Institute. So what do you think, Greg? You think she's a big fan of reshoring and nearshoring? Yeah, of course. So now, Rosemary points to a 25% penalty tariff 
that's also adding fuel to the fire. So I guess if you make it in China, make the stuff in China, you ship it to the U.S., you pay the penalty. Now, if you make it in Mexico and ship it to the U.S., not only do you avoid that significant penalty, but you can take advantage of other USMCA benefits. Now, Coates, Rosemary Coates also pointed to a couple of a re, uh, recent reshoring wins. Say that five times fast. Recent mm. reshoring wins, including a UK-based water purification system manufacturer, which chose to rather than expand their current production line in China to serve the growing U.S. market, its growing U.S. market, they just went and built a factory in Dallas. Love that. Finally. Uh, and Greg, I'm get your take here. John Jansen, you may you may remember uh, John. Greg, he appeared with us as part of one of the uh, freight payment index shows where we dove oh, into those yeah. numbers. Now, John is a supply chain leader with Sanmar. Now, he was featured in Article Two as Sanmar has been making new sourcing decisions, which included setting up shop in Honduras, which is now home to the company's biggest production facility. So, Greg, your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that a lot of companies were paying that 25% tariff because they were just dropping the goods in Mexico and then importing them from there or dropping them in Vancouver and running them over the border, and that avoided the tariff. Um, now, they did have to open another company to, ah. you know, to make a transaction, I believe, to do that. I'm sure there were costs. There were certainly costs involved with that. But... Um, I see two foundational problems with reshoring. One is the cost of labor, um, which is approximately between seven and 12 times the cost of labor in China, even though, you know, logistics play into the cost there, uh, the cost of getting it there once it's here, once it's built. Um, and the other is the availability of labor. We have talked for years, Scott, about people staying away in droves from manufacturing jobs. So are we really providing jobs? I don't know. Um, if we can do it economically, I'm, I believe that's a good thing. Honestly, I think this is just, um, you know, inflation in China has been substantial. And um, this may be, this reshoring thing may just cement the prices at a much, much higher level. Mm. And we will have we will have already accepted it by virtue of having experienced inflation. So I'm not sure how practical it is, and I don't feel like it's long-term sustainable. I mean, mm -hmm. we'll find other markets. Our labor is too scarce and too expensive here. Um, Mexico is too unstable as a nation. Um, Canada, it, you know, and and a lot of their, a lot of their labor resources are coming here. So um, I think there are a lot of problems with reshoring, not to mention if we have to automate, you know, if we have to do automated, uh, production, guess where the robots come from? Mm. China. China. <laughs> um, so Kelly, Kelly says that she would pay Kelly Barner hosts Dial P and, and she leads buyers meeting point and team member over at uh, art of procurement. Kelly says, I would pay to watch Rosemary Coates, who is brilliant and Greg discuss the risks of being dependent upon sourcing <laughs> from China. I'll, I'll guarantee you that is at least one thing that we agree on is we <laughs> cannot continue to be dependent, at least not as dependent as we are on China. And there are actually opportunities to get lower cost production in Southeast Asia, but there just aren't enough 
there isn't enough space or right, enough infrastructure. Beings. Yeah, there's not space or human beings to to do the production at the level that is being done in China these days. I just don't right. know exactly how they're doing it. And China is currently buying Africa, right? Where which is one of the only other places that there is available enough available labor or even a remote amount of a of available labor. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be tough. It is, and and you, you make a great point. I mean, Vietnam doing some really uh, uh, cool things here lately to expand um, their manufacturing uh, base. But what what they can't get away from though is China's growing influence and and maybe call it belligerence. You know, that's it's, it's it, maybe it's tensions. <laughs> well. You're right. I'm trying to be too diplomatic. You're, you're being diplomatic. It's real belligerence, Scott. Let's okay. There now you don't have to. Say it. <laughs> Thanks, man, for giving me the cover. No, but you're right. You know, and and that's uh, that's an 800 pound gorilla um, in the room. Elephant or gorilla? I don't know. One or the other. Maybe both. Elephant in uh, the room. 800 pound gorilla. Thank you. Sorry, I, I'm I'm mixing up my metaphors. Yeah, I like that though. It's an 800 pound gorilla riding an <laughs> elephant in the room is what it is because it is China is that big. <laughs> Uh, well, and and you know you know they they have been already uh, flexing their um, socio political economic and military muscle, and how's that going to play out in terms of how a lot of these sourcing decisions and how these other markets are gaining some ground? So we shall see, Greg. Um, but it's something to consider because it will definitely come to the surface soon enough. Well, yeah, um, I mean it right. is at the surface, right? And China is not going to get better. They just elected their president for life right and and they don't care about their constituency at all mm. right i mean this is all about governmental power and their plans are go far beyond supply chain or supply or manufacturing all the way to ruling the planet so we have to be aware of that so i want to so i want to put something out there greg because I think you and I are very similar in how we view this. Uh, you may be a bit more um, uh, enthusiastic, frank, frank, <laughs> maybe I'll call it. Um, but folks, hey, let us know. Do you do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you see it differently? We'd love to hear from you. And and, and yeah. hey, if you disagree, I'd love to share that as well. It, it deserves a nice full conversation, no doubt. I'd I'd love to hear that there <laughs> there is some you know, some way of dealing with China that could be positive. Agreed. Agreed. And by the way, uh, changing gears here. Um, but Noor, I appreciate you sharing some information with Jonathan, you know, uh, talking about how supply chains totally change after COVID-19 is, is uh, uh, Jonathan from earlier was looking for new roles in uh, the world of global supply chain. So one of our favorite things is seeing kind of the conversations amongst the skyboxes and the comments, uh, folks helping each other out. The biggest thing um, that's changed about supply chain is people know what the heck it is, right? <laughs> that is <laughs> for the better, for worse. Right. right. That is right. There's no hiding, as Greg White likes to yes. say. Okay. So I want to take a quick aside. Uh, you know, we love sharing resources here. You know, we've already shared a couple on the front end uh, with the freight payment index and, of course, the Ukraine um, initiative. And, hey, you know, folks far beyond, going back to leveraging logistics for Ukraine, far beyond of doing good. Right for people in need, the networking that and the market intel gathering that you gain from that certainly helps careers and helps networks. You name it. Um, so speaking of resources, Greg, you and I had a blast on this webinar with our friends at Six River Systems. Right? 
Yeah. It was called How to Solve Three Common Peak Season Challenges. Now, we you know, we went for about an hour uh, with lots of, for, for whatever reason, lots of music and Led Zepp references throughout the hour. But some of the things we tackled were ways to empower your labor force to increase productivity. And as we mentioned earlier, make their jobs easier, make it more yep. rewarding. And uh, how to more effectively manage these seasonal spikes in demand that keep on keeping on. Um, and a lot more folks were dropping a link to uh, you to check out this on demand replay of this webinar in the chat. And Greg, if you remember, I know we've, we've knocked out lots and lots of webinars and live streams and events, you name it since then. But what do you remember about this uh, webinar with our friends over at six river systems? Well, we're in the stage of peak where it's not whether you've got it here or not, or whether you're going to get it here or not. It's what, you're going to get it to your customers, right? And fulfillment is the only thing you can still impact right now because if you don't have it by now or you don't have it very cl close to being here, it's already too late. So this allows you to to understand three ways to tackle the challenges that you face in peak for fulfillment. And I think that's really, really important. As we move through the year, we've tried to stage the things that you need to be thinking about now, right, in, in the moment, that you can still impact for peak season. And that, and that this is one of them, is how to make your people really, really efficient in the fulfillment exercise. Love that. Uh, looks like we've already dropped the link there. Y'all can check that out and check out the replay. Very practical. There was case studies. I think Crocs uh, was mentioned, uh, some of their work there and some of the results there. So y'all check that out. Um, Greg, what you mentioned there, before we jump back into a, a couple of stories ago uh, here at the is it top of the hour or the bottom of the hour right now? Bottom. Bottom of okay, the hour. Bottom. Think All about right. where the hands are facing. Oh, you've told me that before. The, I'm a slow learner. The big hand is facing the bottom, so yeah. it's it's the bottom. <laughs> of the That's how I figured it out. <laughs> so, um, But something you mentioned a second ago, kind of how we were, were trying to um, educate kind of sequentially. It's kind of one of the points you're making. It reminds me of one of my favorite YouTube channels I've discovered. For months now. Now, I can see Amanda's eyes rolling, and she's not even – she's around the corner from me. Is it the guy but, who scams the scammers? Is it no, 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 no. Oh. no that, that's fascinating. But is. this is old-school soul food, and I can't say that really fast. Chef old Jeffrey. School, soul food. Yeah. Soul food. I'm, we're going to have to have Chef Jeff on with us. But what he's doing right now – and he's got a, he's got a massive following. He's got millions of folks checking – you know, tuning in to – Watch him make you know cornbread dressing and stuff like that. But right now he's sequentially showing people dish by dish, including some of the basics like real turkey broth and like cheese sauces for stuff you need that for. But he's he's building over the you know started a week ago, building to teach people how to make the perfect Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm gonna tell you, for someone that loves practical content, especially like no nonsense, you know, I'm gonna show you how to do it. It is wonderful. It is comfort food, no pun intended, uh, and it makes you hungry too, Greg. So, so Scott, while Amanda is building your desk, <laughs> you can build a soul food <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. How about that? Seriously. Oh, gosh. You've no. got the cooking gene, don't you? I, I do love cooking. I, I yeah. sure do. Um, and you know what? I'm going to dare. I'm going to see if Amanda or Clay, and big, by the way, big thanks to Amanda and Clay behind the scenes and Chantel, Chantel for making today's production happen. Uh, Catherine, good vibes to where you are. Hopefully you're getting some good chicken noodle soup. But um, we'll see if they uh -oh. drop. 
<laughs> we'll see if they drop the YouTube link to Chef Jeffrey. I'll tell you, he's he is uh, he's genuine people, and I've really enjoyed it. Okay, That's Greg, cool. we have gone way off track here. But Golly, help. isn't that what people tune in for, though? <laughs> I don't know. We'll Maybe see. Maybe somebody should answer that. Do you like <laughs> so, it when you do this or not? <laughs> all right, folks, we're getting back to the news. Yeah. Right, this this next story is, I think, I think it's my favorite of, of what we're covering here today because it really, you know, whether you agree or disagree, uh, with Steve Banker is the author of this this book here via Forbes, this article in Forbes. Whether you agree or disagree, it'll stop and make you think. So, Greg, I want to tee this up. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, it, what it really focuses on here, uh, Steve Banker, via this Forbes article, is top trends impacting the world of supply chain. He's not, he's not really talking about um, um, you know, trends in supply chain. He's really talking about forces that are impacting uh, the world of supply chain moving into right. 2023. So I'm going to list them all. And then, Greg, I'd love for you to tell me and tell all of us what you think is going to be the biggest one that business leaders should really be focused on. All right. First one, inflation should surprise nobody. Second one, the pending recession. You could argue you could drop pending already. The third one, get this, and this is how Steve puts it, China is not a dependable partner. The fourth one is what he deems the end-tier supply chain, really thinking, you know, visibility upstream and downstream, you know, first, second, third tier, and so on and so forth. Uh, ESG compliance, five, and six, greenhouse gas reductions. And, of course, with uh, COP27 taking place in Egypt this week as a backdrop, uh, we all know a lot of the um, conversations going on around those last couple. Greg, out of all those, what's one that we should really, really be focusing on? That one. <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I don't know how you focus on just one. Um, I would say you could combine greenhouse gas greenhouse gases into ESG, yep, and make that one. But I, I mean, I think this this is the problem with supply chain is you can't focus on just one. I wish I could say one, Scott. I mean, every time you said a new one, I was like that one. Oh, no, that one. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, all of them. (laughs) So, um, I mean, this is the complexity and this is what makes supply chain so difficult to manage. If your sales suck, you can always say we need a new it's it's easy to discern. At least it has been in my history. Yep, it's easy to discern. Our salespeople suck. Our sales method sucks. Our sales messaging sucks or something like that and go, we need to do better here. Right. Right. With this, because so many of these are external impacts, and and that's what Steve talks about a lot, is these are things impacting your supply chain. Because these are uh, external impacts, and every one of them produces a different kind of risk, and I believe that supply chain is a risk-balancing exercise, I think you have to focus on all of them. What I think is really exceptional about this call to action by Steve is that He's not talking to supply chain professionals. He's talking to C-suite executives, right? And just think about trying to even do that just Mm. three years ago. Who would have listened? But now, not only can you speak to these these C-suite executives that some have no idea how supply chain works, 
and shouldn't, by the way, but um, but do now have an interest and are probably lost in what the hell do we do? I think the thing you have to do is for your organization, you have to assess which of these is the top risk for your organization. And don't focus on just one, but focus right. on them in descending order of risk to your organization. Because yeah. inflation is going to continue to persist through 2023. I just did a commentary today where Fitch Ratings um, said they expect the feds all over Europe and and the U.S. to continue raising rates through Q2 of next year and for inflation to persist at least through 2023. They've also said that a soft landing is now not possible. So recession is, you know, recession, unlike the brief and small recession we've seen so far, is inevitable. Um, And there's a cascading effect from all of those things. So you know, definitely focus on the ones that that impact your business the most, and maybe those that impact will impact your business the most recently or most proximately, and start tackling those. Yep, love Look, that. If you have a if you have a good supply chain, and you don't focus on the disruptions that you'll face, but you focus on the fragility that exists in your supply chain. Any disruption will have less impact if your supply chain is less fragile. Yep. You know, whenever you say fragility, I shouldn't, but that takes me straight to the Christmas story. Fragile, as a father um, <laughs> unpacks the uh, the lamp. I always oh, think it's of Italian. That. Now, did you know? Yeah. Now, did you know? Um, not to get too far off, but the Christmas story—they're coming out with a sequel. What forty years later on HBO Max? So. Uh, that should be available in the next few weeks. So we'll see if it follows the norm. Is it a sequel of, or a remake? It's a sequel, I believe. It's, oh, it it's is. a okay. little little kid, whatever his name That's was. Grown up. grown up. Yeah. Oh. So we shall see. Oh, um, awesome. A couple of quick thoughts. So, folks, again, check this readout. I think this is uh, Steve Banker. If you're not already, <clears throat> you ought to be following him. Uh, he he writes regularly in Forbes. You can also check him out across social. It'll stop me AR- to think. He works for ARC Advisory. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Um, but a couple a couple thoughts here. Uh, I think w- when it comes to inflation, of course, it's it's on every, you know, the words and every sentence of every conversation these days because of how palpable and how real it is. But, you know, beyond its impact on global supply chains and, and companies and business, man, the impact on your people and your workforce. I mean, it, we really got to keep that front in mind. You know, beyond you know years of additional pressure and pandemic, you name it, it's like your people aren't getting a break. So really, you know, keep that context. And then secondly, get that what he said here about this China is not a dependable partner. Uh, Greg, you know, you, oh, you, you you were expecting me to really go deep on that. I was. But I think we get, hit that pretty squarely. We have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a quote here because you use you've coined this phrase ABA, anyone but Amazon, which we really have enjoyed. Oh, you know? yes. He says so. Steve Banker says in this thing, he says, quote. When it comes to building new factories, the term ABC is being used anywhere but China, yeah. end quote. Greg, yeah. your quick comment there? Well, I mean, that goes back to the point that we are way too dependent on the most dangerous and corrupt um, nation on the planet. And they don't want us to succeed. I mean, yep. they, they are completely self-interested. Their intent, as I said, is to rule the world. And any leverage point that we give them, they will use against us. And 
believe you me, they are decades ahead of us in terms of their plans, right? So, you know, we, t- we think a five-year plan is long-range. They think a hundred-year plan is long-range. Right. And I can assure you they have them. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. So y'all check that out. Um, uh, as Shelly says, going, yeah, not pending. When it, in terms of the pending recession, Shelly says not pending. Uh, Jonathan says, my favorite comedy show. Jonathan, I, I think that's a compliment, I believe. But regardless, <laughs> hey, we love that you're part of our our, our live streams and webinars regularly. Enjoy your, your contributions for sure. Um, she did it. Amanda or Clay or Chantel, one of them dropped in old school soul food. Folks, if you love to cook, uh, you're going to enjoy Chef Jeffrey. Let me tell you. I love to um, watch people cook. Does that count? Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, and it's not the stuff you get at like, uh, well, I was going to say not name names. The Food Network has become like all personality and all competition. If you like just real cooking and keeping it, you know, straight to you know what you're trying to do right. you're gonna love Chef Jeffrey. What okay. you're saying is you don't need artichoke on everything or that no fluff, no uh, you know, crazy personality that has limited food, real food and chef ability. I hate that's one of my least favorite trends in so much content these days. Uh, so y'all check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, Greg, who knows? We'll have to fly down to uh let's see here. He's in the Houston. Uh, he's in Katy, Texas. I think is where oh, he is Katie, based. Oh, Katy, Texas. No kidding. Um, all right. So next, Greg, getting back to supply chain. This was a really interesting read, and and we don't have time to take a full dive into what really a big topic here. But uh, the Wall Street Journal was reporting on the EV global takeover. Goodness gracious, it's like been overnight. Uh, it feels like, uh, and some questions though that it's creating, including the main one that you see here on on their uh, headline, is the supply chain up to it, meaning up to you know serving this new industry. Um, Greg, I'm not going to unpack it too much. We don't have a whole bunch of time, but Greg, your thoughts when it comes to EV, when it comes to how global supply chains are uh, supporting it, how consumers are are embracing it, seems like in droves. General thoughts, uh, your thoughts, Greg. Yeah, I think they stopped short of what they should be asking, which is, is the planet up to it? Uh-huh. You know, I, I, my assessment is that we are trading one destructive fuel and storage source for another one. This is a physically destructive, it is physically destructive to mine lithium, to mine um, rare earth minerals, right? And things, you know, things like cobalt and all of those things that have to go into these devices. And we're forcing nations in North America to do it domestically where our supply doesn't match. There's a commentary, I'm sorry, I did it a week or two ago, where the head of of this initiative for the United States of America says, we don't hold any of these resources. We don't mine any of these resources. We don't even search for any of these resources. How could we possibly do it? And what they're going to do is they're going to foist this. They're going to foist this into nations that are already being destroyed um, by overmining companies, countries like Chile and Argentina, which I happen to have a particular affinity for (laughs) being my family's home country. (laughs) I'd love to see it, not see it scraped off the face of the planet. Mm. Um, but I, but you know, most people don't care because they're third world backwaters that nobody really cares about. And we have long done egregious levels of mining of materials down in those countries. And it's been hugely destructive. 
they are like the West Virginia of the Americas, right? We've allowed West Virginia to destroy in many places their landscape to search for coal. Right now, all we want to do is just ship that overseas so we can feel better about EVs. And I Mm. think there is a way to do EVs. There is a way to do the materials that are necessary for them or to develop materials that could substitute for these materials, which I'd much rather see, including the storage materials like lithium. And I believe that there there are some initiatives underway, and we need to focus more on that than continuing to scrape the skin off the face of our planet Mm. when what we're trying to do is save the planet. I just think that's, you know, is the supply chain up to it isn't even the right question. That's right. way too low level of a question. Is this planet up to it is the question. And ha- and the answer is unequivocally no. Mm. So how do we really make this a sustainable and feasible means of shifting to shifting away from fossil fuel uh, energy production and storage? Outstanding. That's what you Greg. wanted about China, but you got it on this. <laughs> I'll take your goodness. That's the wrong question. That's just, you uh, know. It, it's I, I, not a supply chain question. Of course, the supply right. chain can go strip the mountains of Chile to their bare bones. Of course, we can do that. But should we is the question we ought to be asking. Yeah, great point. Uh, and uh, all of that you say, all the damage, while consumers are thinking they're doing the right thing for the economy, when actually it's just the it can be the opposite. Yeah. Um, so a couple quick thoughts uh, f- for context. Um, again, y'all, y'all. Take a read for yourself. Uh, we've dropped a link in the uh, chat. Wall Street Journal, it's, it's a good read. Um, but get this. Did you know, Greg, tw- there's 20 moving parts for EV vehicles versus 200 or more in an, in an internal combustion uh, vehicle. Electronics, twice as many semiconductor chips uh, in the EV <laughs> versus uh, internal combustion. Some 13, uh, the way the article couched it, 1,300 guess, guess versus 600. Guess who holds seventy five percent of the stores or the the whatever earthly access to those kind of components? China. Mm, wow! Right? You can't get semiconductors without going through China. Well, and that uh, that deserves its own show. Uh, what's going on between the U.S. and China and, and semiconductor and, and and the position it's putting uh, companies around the world and, and how some folks are, are getting around some of the uh, new requirements and policies. We'll have to save that for a whole other uh, conversation. But I think one of the interesting things, and this is really young and immature industry. You know, some folks may not, may not think that the automotive industry as we know it, at least what's gotten us here today, is what, uh, 100 years old, you know, 110 years old, roughly. I mean, it, it's had forever to build the infrastructure and, and to build supply base and, and how business is done, how cars are put together and sourced and all that stuff, it's going to take, to Greg's point, it's going to take a lot of time uh, for this industry to figure out how to do things uh, sustainably, reliably, first off, just reliably, kind of going to the thrust of the, the, the gist of the article. But to Greg's point, how can we do it truly and have it be a whole different game changer from oil and gas and internal combustion and, and all that that comes with? So, Greg, a lot more to come on this story. I love your perspective. Uh, you know, folks just they're not thinking of what these EV battery, all these batteries and what it's doing to uh, places around the around the world. We got to um, think about synthetics, right? 
We've got to think about synthetics. That is the solution. Yep. So. Agreed. Let me, let me tell you something else about batteries. Uh, What's as that, a consumer, John? as a consumer, I was in um, a big do-it-yourself uh, retailer over the weekend, um, and I, I had to get a, some batteries. All I needed is like two or three C batteries. They don't they don't sell any batteries in small. You got to buy like twenty batteries at a time these days. That's where we are with C nine volts, double A. Doesn't matter, does it, Greg? Greg, have you seen this too? Yeah, the, I mean, this is not unlike what the auto the automotive companies, the OEMs have done. They don't build the the companies or they don't build the cars with very few options on them anymore. Why? Because if they're only going to build a limited number of of products, they're going to build the stuff with the highest gross margin, which is why companies' gross margins are higher than ever. Right. And why, Scott? you will have a year's supply of C batteries. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> Folks, I, I'm going to the uh, I'm going to the black market with C-level batteries. If you need some, let me know. I got it sourced. He'll, he'll split the pack for you. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. business back in the day. I'm sure it still is. Uh, all right. A couple of quick comments as we wrap up today. Uh, Shelly's going back to, your, you were talking about all the mining because we don't have it today. She says, Focus. yep, that's right. It's an illusion. And hope those kids can mine faster. Yikes. And Shelly, that's a great comment because mm -hmm. of what she's implying and what Greg is implying is in certain parts of the world, that's exactly who's doing the mining. Yeah. These kids. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's modern slavery and human trafficking so that we that these mines can be fully staffed in many ways. And that's a that's certainly a travesty, Greg, huh? Yes, it is a travesty. Um and 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 also speaking, and and um Amanda and Clay and Chantel, y'all probably aren't going to have time to find this article. But going back to uh, Kelly Barner, uh, on, on a related note, Kelly Barner was with us earlier. I'm going to bring her profile back up if I can find it because y'all should, folks, y'all should be connected. If you love supply chain, especially procurement and great writing and analysis, you got to connect mm -hmm. with Kelly Barner. Here she is right here. Um, Kelly, going back to the end tier subject that uh, Steve Banker wrote about. Greg in that article, and yeah. the lack of visibility there. Well, that's one of the many reasons why uh, human trafficking, uh, modern day slavery, why it can exist because we don't have enough visibility and business leaders aren't asking oftentimes the tough questions to get that visibility into what your suppliers of your suppliers of your suppliers, how they're making stuff. And right. it's all interconnected. It really is. Okay. Um, let's go to, hey, Mervin's back with us. Mervin, great to see you. And, and look at that new headshot, Greg. Can you see that? Um, Mervin, looking good. I'm Mervin. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, he says, hello, everyone from Dublin, joining after a long time, but this time from YouTube. Uh, EV parts supply is the tricky part, but the sales and demand is not cheap either. He ain't lying, uh, Greg, mm -hmm. right? No, he's dead on. Uh, I mean, the there's uh, it's a very complex scenario. So I'm sending this to Amanda so she can okay. show people this article that I wrote about it as well. So people can probably get a clearer picture of what my position is on it than <laughs> what I'm saying here. Because I don't want anybody to think that I'm against EVs in any way. I, right. First of all, they're faster than hell and they're fun <laughs> to drive and they handle like crazy because all all of the weight is is below the axles. So right, right. Um, <laughs> I'm all and and by the way, they save. I mean, they uh, they are much more friendly to the environment. 
but I think we have to do it the right way, right? right. And and um, we don't need to rush to find a new way to kill the earth. Mm. Is, this is my concern. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, and, and we'll see. A man in the team should be able to drop that link in the chat. Y'all check it out. Hey, Shelly says, uh, this is new for me. Uh, jaws of life cannot be used on EV unless there's been some recent changes. Greg? I did not me. know that. Yeah. Why is man. that, Shelly? I want to know why that is. That's man. fascinating. Shelly is a fountain of knowledge, as always, but especially today. Shelly, keep bringing it. Um, okay. So, Greg, we'll, we'll give uh, the team a second. Hopefully, we can get that link up. Y'all should check that out. I texted it to her. Um, Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> I, know, I know you're busy. <laughs> uh, so, you know, over the... Um, uh, as we start to wrap here on today's supply chain buzz, I'll tell you, it will wide ranging, but man, no shortage. I really enjoyed the articles that we, we walked through here today. Um, you know, I saw over the weekend, of course, of the, as the FTX story has, has unraveled, you and I chatted a little about that over the weekend. Um, Ma- uh, Mario Pulowski, which is a wonderful follower, uh, person to follow across, uh, really across social. He found this graphic and I think it was, um, might be fortune magazine you know, where they put their top 500 innovative business leaders. Well, uh, he put this graphic because it was a leader of the FTX was, uh, you know, top uh, innovative business leader. And then right next was like the previous years or maybe the addition from a couple years ago. And it was Elizabeth Holmes. From um, Theranos. Yes. Theranos. So, of course, all that's still pending. About to go to prison for 15 years for fraud. Right. It so, was Forbes. It was well, one of those was at least Forbes because SBF Bankman Freed, the FTX guy, was on the cover of Forbes, yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> they want to sell magazines. They're they're not legally vetting this. Right. By the way, total rumor, but uh, rumor has it, somehow two <laughs> billion dollars slipped out the back door I of saw FTX that. somewhere. I saw that. Holy and cow. Yeah, and SBF is in the Bahamas. If anybody is looking for a buddy who has $2 billion, you may have found your guy. <laughs> I think everyone needs a buddy that has $2, $2 billion, billion to spend, yeah. right? Unless you've um, got 20. Then he's kind of a drag. <laughs> well, folks, uh, what an outstanding uh, show here today. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Greg, reporting from the road there uh, in Kansas City as the Chiefs knocked off it, it, chiefs knock off uh anyway this past week jacksonville jacksonville we tried to give them the game in the first half and they wouldn't take it so we decided <laughs> shame to stomp their guts out yeah shame on them but and um, again thank you to the vikings always a big vikings fan feel a little bit bad about winning our first super bowl against the vikings but you'll get another shot i think and it may be this year they're good get another shot that's right that's right uh, all right, so folks, uh, really have enjoyed. Thanks everybody for tuning in and and uh, and contributing. What a great some great comments. I know we couldn't get all of them here today, but y'all keep that good stuff coming. Um, you know, be sure to check out a great on demand webinar: How to Solve Three Common Peak Challenges from Our Friends at Six River Systems. Of course, the link is already in the chat. Uh, you'll enjoy that. Very practical, no nonsense, and a really a fun conversation. Uh, and look here, look here, look here. We got Greg's post folks click on that, but oh I, I got to challenge it. <laughs> 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 I 
I want to challenge y'all though. Chat, drop your comments on that. Let let Greg know and our, our team here what you think, what your take is. That's someone as much as I enjoy your um your commentary, Greg, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, man, the responses you get, some of those need they their own are TV shows. Always read the comments. They are right. always incredibly thoughtful. I mean, people are always um adding to the story or, you know, given another perspective. And I love that. I learn as much from the commentary as I do from researching for the articles. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. So that's, that's the show today. We got to leave it there. Hey, from our entire supply chain, our family, we want to wish all the best to one of our favorites, uh, Sandra McQuillan, uh, the retiring chief supply chain officer with Mondelez international folks go check. You can check out what she's done here or anywhere else. I'll tell you, she is, She's a special, special leader. Uh, the industry is better off after what she has done, uh, been moving mountains and and taking Amen. care of her people and taking care of industry. Um, uh, to our team, thanks, Amanda, Clay, Chantel, Catherine, everyone for making production happen. Thanks all y'all for that show up on these Mondays at 12 noon and bring it each and every time. I'm not talking about turkey sandwich. You bring your perspective and your expertise, and we really have enjoyed that. Greg, always a pleasure knocking this out with you each week. Likewise, and thank you for always bringing the good news. Hey, we try. I don't know if everybody's tuned into you for good news, but man, (laughs) you need to follow this guy if you need some good news for sure. Uh, Good news, how to cook. (laughs) Who who, who actually who to go learn how to cook from? I should say that I'm I'm an amateur, but regardless, uh, good news out there if you go looking for it for sure, folks. Whatever you do, hey, Hopefully you find some of these insights actionable because it's all about the actions you take with the information you have, right? Deeds, not words. On that note, Scott and Greg, the whole team here, challenge you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. With that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.